Hello, Next Geners. Welcome to our Friday form preview show. Damien Ratcliffe from The Age, joined on every episode by Hayden Byrne from Daily Sectionals. Hayden, it's been a big week for Next Gen. We had our golf day last week and Bossy, uh, Bossy's been all out with his uh, videos from the day. So that was a, a huge success. Hopefully in the next week, I'll have a figure on how much we raised for the Good Friday appeal. And then yesterday at Kilmore, Gemma Riley got the chocolates with our, our boy Claymore. Been been a really big week, hasn't it? It's it's um a lot of me time from you. I've noticed it's a lot of um the Ladbrokes. They put up their video during the week and featuring your good self. A little bit of me time from the photos on RSN. Your good self in the headphones, just um, weaving your magic on there. And then yesterday when I watched um, our grand galloper Claymore or Claddam Moore or Claydem Moore, or however anybody would like to pronounce it. I was sitting there waiting and I thought, okay, it can be really interesting to see what Gemma says and Buffhead shows up. Yeah, well, what happened? Well, I was one of, there were only two owners there, myself and uh, another guy who's not part of the next gen syndicate, but obviously in the horse. And Gemma was strapping the horse herself. He was an absolute lunatic pre-race, jumping around everywhere. Uh, Gemma was calling for the pony. Honestly, he was an absolute moron of a horse. And then, um, as you probably saw, Gemma watched uh, the watched the race um, next to the Racing.com boys and uh, got pretty emotional. And when it came to uh, the post-race interview, she said, Damon, I think I'm going to be sick. Can you do the interview? So uh, quite out of the blue. But, um, uh, yeah, full honours to Gemma. I think Claymore is her only horse in work at the moment. Her other horses are all juveniles. So... Um, great for her. I think it's only her second winner for the season, um, which shows how tough it is to be a, a, a you know trainer with a boutique stable. But um, he surprised us. He paid fourteen bucks. It was a great ride by Blake McDougal. Blake McDougal, and then Gemma obviously uh, got her um, ten minutes in the sun on Racing.com later. So uh, that was great all round. We had a drink in the winners' bar afterwards. The four of us that were there. Um, and looking forward to seeing him step out next. We've also got our uh, horse with Mitch Freeman, Guzmau, uh, closing in on a debut. So he'll uh, he'll be having one more trial at Ararat this week, and then hopefully next week we see him at the races. So good time to be a part owner. But anyway, golf day was a success. Uh, obviously, we couldn't do the podcast last week. We both ran out of time. So apologies there for our loyal followers who were hoping for um, All-Star Mile and Golden Slipper coverage, but we posted, um, obviously we thought I'm um, Thunderstruck was the value play in the All-Star Mile. He ran second, the hot favourite, Zaki, just dictated terms up front. Zaki's going to meet Animo uh, and Co, very elegant. Um, uh, some of the other, you know, really good weight for age horses in the Queen Elizabeth. What did you make of Zaki? And how do you stack him up against Animo, who... Uh, we've said all prep, he's been building nicely uh, and, and what he did on the weekend was outstanding. Yeah, well, just on the All-Star, I love the race. A few people got their uh, tactics, very confused with the tactics mm. that several employed. Um, first off, restraining lightsaber, sitting in behind them. Did they think they were uh, in front too early in both their guineas and um, their restraining guineas runs? I don't think that, that was um, that plan. Definitely didn't go to um, that. Did, didn't go to plan that tactic, uh, Mr. Brightside. I think he was half a little bit slow away. 
Yeah. Um, no real speed from Streets of Avalon in terms of, um, you know, his typical first section speed that wasn't there, ridden more conservatively to get the mile. Um, the boys in the race prior, they got some really interesting cowboy sort of tactics and had a go for the middle of the track, which confused everybody. Ollie and Lane, no early speed, didn't hold their lines early, which I thought they may do and make Zaki work across. Um, they elected to go back and lane hunt in the straight. Made it a bit of a mess, didn't it? And the girl who just rides her horse for, and allows them to travel and do what they need to do and doesn't play games, um, it was game over about 200 metres into the race, wasn't it? Outstanding ride. It was. Yeah, it was. And and I think the question mark on Zaki was that first up, he had a really slow section and it really was a you know 800 metre dash in the blamey stakes. And if he was going to get that um, high exertion through the first section uh, in the All-Star Mile, that might have been his undoing. But uh, clearly he got it pretty comfortable and uh, he wasn't going to lose with that race shape. I thought I'm Thunderstruck was pretty good off the... Um, you know, off the slow early speed and Jai rode him well from barrier one and gave him every chance, but it was going to be hard to chase down Zaki off that. What did you make of Animo and, and how do you line up Animo and Zaki when they meet in the Queen Elizabeth? Animo was very good. He's just progressing beautifully. He just goes, uh, continues to go up and up and up. He's got a big, big run in him, and I don't think that that was the big run. I think that was just another um, tick of the box. James got the pace spot on. James premeditated the speed shift where the others were asleep. That was the reason for such the big margin. You know, wet ground's going to overemphasise those margins sometimes, so take note. The performance was nowhere near as good as what it was to the visual. The visual was just, um, you know, when I watched the visual, I thought, wow, we, you've gone... You know, you probably run the biggest IVR number for the season, Cox Plate included, but no, that wasn't the case. So, you know, don't go putting him through the roof. He definitely didn't do anything like that. Um, you know, if it's wet ground up there, he'll blow Zaki apart. Let's not muck around. Um, you know, dry ground's going to bring the other one closer to him. I'd still want to be in the Animo camp. Um, you know, oh, I find it very difficult at, right now to see... Um, <clears throat> any of those beating Animo as we sit. But, you know, racing's a funny game. And it's always, always hard to predict the Doncaster this far out, but um, you still give I'm Thunderstruck a chance going there? Yeah, for sure. He's, um, you know, that looks like his race. That's where he's going to get the high-pressure race that he's looking for. And he's a horse who historically really comes good fourth and fifth up into a campaign. He holds that level but he gets his opportunity to explode. And I think he's progressing better than what he was last campaign. Um, you know, slowly run all-star mile. I thought when the gap opened, he might have been able to chase Zaki down, especially with Zaki drifting back to the fence. Um, but it was just a little bit too big a mission. The, where he couldn't do it was they fell back on top of him prior to the gap opening, um, which caused him just to slow ever so slightly, and that slight slowdown from him um, left him flat-footed when it was time to accelerate, so it was pretty much game over Zaki. It was very interesting. I took, I took note on the weekend that, um, you know, those who like to beat the chest were, how could he possibly get out from barrier one? That was going to be his undoing. Zaki was in a trap barrier from 15, so all the rubbish combined there, um, you know, none of that worked. 
Um, the team pinstripe, very quiet when he um, didn't have the big excuse to his name. When he got exposed, there was just not a lot of petrol in the tank. So, you know, those who wanted to claim the bulldust that he should have won a couple of weeks prior, they can um, hush with that one. And the horse who had every single excuse in the world, um, which was the Golden Slipper winner, was just amazing. Mm. Almost got put through the fence. That was very, very messy back there. Yeah, you want to mention anything else about the slipper or happy to move on? Uh, I thought the slipper winner was very good. Be interesting to see how it performs. You know, be very difficult to see any of those turning the tables on it going into that 1400 metre race. Um, you know, if something's going to beat that, it's going to have to come from somewhere else. That's the, the only way she probably gets beat is if she, you know, if they spend all the petrol in the slipper. But, you know, that crop on wet ground, there's just not a lot there at the moment. The, probably the, um, the one who could beat it is the runner-up, Bordeaux. He's, he's a nice horse. Okay. Uh, let's look at tonight's William Reed because there'll be punters out there watching this and uh, realising the group one's on at Mooney Valley tonight at 9.15. We're recording at 5.30 p.m. So, uh, Marabi goes around $1.75 favourite. She won the Oakley Plate in pretty damn good style. Uh, she's a winner of seven from seven. Uh, she's $1.75 from Generation at eight. A September run at 13, ran third in the new market. Kemal Parza at 15. Astrologist was second in the new market. He's also 15. And Jonka won the Manicato this track and distance. Uh, in the spring, he's 19, trekking 23, standout 27. You couldn't bet against it, could you? No, I don't think she's going to go to that plus four that she put up in the Oakley Plate. I think 1,100 is probably her, her, her best distance. 1,200 might just be a little bit on her range, but she still put up a three at this track and distance, two starts back. And I think if she puts up a three from the front again tonight... Um, I can't see who's going to. I can't see who's going to push that. I think trekking might be the one at, at value that does have those sort of numbers in his range. But they're in races like the Everest, where there's usually really good pace up front. The Moya, I think he put up a two point seven. So I could see trekking maybe at a bit of value running a place. But yeah, I can't. I can't be tipping against Marabi here. Well, I could see her going to the four. Not a problem in the world. I could see even breaking that four. Um, you go back to that run you did mention two starts back at the Valley where she went yeah. 3.3 lengths above that best of the night. Um, you know, she pretty brutal slow down there between the six and the four and the effort to re-accelerate combined with the fact that she was so far in front where you can take the pressure off a little bit and the last 200 could be a little bit softer than what it may should be. Um, you know, that give every indication that she can go to the four um, and if there's a track she's going to run a big one at, it's this one. Yeah. This is where this is the sort of place where she could post a monster number. So, um, yeah, I just couldn't see, you know, everywhere you look, there's a, there's a number of horses there who can push the level tracking. Um, as you mentioned, horses like September Run, even a horse like Generation could push that level. We know Standout's a big boy when he gets going, just hasn't. You know, he's just been a bit plain standout. He's one I always go and look for, especially from a first three perspective, and normally thrives in races like this. So they can all do it. 
but there's big reasons why they can't, whether that historical starting, you know, it's starting to slip a little bit too far away. And on recent profile, that two level seems about them. Um, you know, so Generation's the one from that has the upside mm. and, you know, standouts a sort of horse in this sort of race where you'd get excited from, from a first three perspective, but you'd want a big push from the yard because these last two haven't been that good. And Generation put up that really big number this tracking distance on Cox Plate Day, so that would um that would um explain why he's um so well found in the market as well. He's eight bucks, but he's second favourite. Yeah, it's, the ride was really weird last out of Caulfield. Um, you know, negative five point five first section basically gave the horse no chance whatsoever. The squeeze was enormous, eleven lengths. Um, high pressure mid, really strong sustained last 800. So he's, he's untapped. He could go in, he could push that level. He could get a little bit closer to Marabi than what many may think. So are you betting at all? No, I would be lucky to even turn it over from the footy, mate. Yep. Okay. I'll watch, watch the replay tomorrow. Uh, one of our favourites, though, uh, Flying Mascot goes around in race four, the Sunline Stakes. She's $1.60. Jeez, uh, we love this mare, don't we? She's a ripper. She's a beauty. She was the one that, um, you know, been banging on all along and probably will put up the retirement that this may take the baton. Um, you know, there's no reason whatsoever that she can't continue on to two lengths above IVR benchmark last up to Leamington. She was very, very good. And she looks like, you know, she hasn't even got close to her peak this campaign. So good luck. To the rest of those, I wish them all Bar the best. Barb Raider was a winner at the same meeting on March 12 at Caulfield, but you got Flying Mascot ahead of her? I've got Flying Mascot ahead of her. The, always the interesting runner. Not going to really get the speed, those quantum mechanic that gets the right yeah. rider. Yeah. All right. You're not giving uh, punters the permission to do the Flying Mascot uh, Marabi double tonight. They punters can they can do whatever they like. Right, money, they, they can invest it how they choose. Who's playing in the footy uh, tonight? Is is this buddies not tonight? Uh, here's the big bud. Swans versus cats. I think it might be. All right, we won't look at Mornington. Um, obviously, the we've got the Mornington Cup. Actually, let's look at the Mornington Cup quickly. Twenty four hundred meters. Pondus two seventy. Crystal Pegasus two eighty. Sacramento six defibrillate seven. It's only a field of seven, which is a bit disappointing when it, it's a ticket into the Caulfield Cup. But Pondus versus Crystal Pegasus is there one that stands out over the other, or not much between them? Oh, the horse that um, you know you can sway left, I'll sway right. The horse that I'd be most interested out of those is Sacramento. Mm, okay. Um, you know, Mornington, D. Oliver, Waterhouse, Mister Bot. Dangerous horse from the front. His last start win was very good. Um, and he's nowhere near at his max yet. So he'd be a hard horse to, to run down, especially in the small field that will favour him. So, you know, he was good. Pondus, obviously, fifth best of the day, two lengths above at Flemington. That was excellent. Crystal Pegasus. Think he's about hit his peak, so I would have Pondus over Crystal Pegasus, but Sacramento is a dangerous runner in a race like that. Okay, let's look at Rose Hill because that is uh, the Group One 
meeting for the day. Um, I think we might stay away from race one. It's a midway. Uh, race two is the Schwepper Vessens. Two-year-olds, they're not in the same league. Um, well, there's probably not much between all of the two-year-olds, uh, including the ones that ran in the slipper. But did you have a strong opinion here at all? No, Williamsburg was a runner that I was looking for last start. And he just went back to the inside, really didn't handle turning on the wet ground. And then his late acceleration was very good. So he's one that I could keep an eye on. He could definitely go to the level required to win, which isn't very high. Um, the dangerous runners in this are going to be runners like Mumbai Jewel and Victorine, et cetera, that come off dry ground and go back to the wet. A lot of these have just repetitively been on the wet and they're a tad slow now. So dangerous, always dangerous. Wet, horses who can handle the wet who have had several runs on the dry don't know themselves when they go as slow as what they'll go in this. So the lactic doesn't build up as fast and they've still got some acceleration where the others are just naturally, they've just turned slow for the campaign. Yeah. No interest whatsoever. All right, the next race, we see a number of horses clash again. Mount Popper, Skylab, uh, Polly Gray, Yonkers. Uh, this is the Neville Selwood Stakes over 2,000 metres. What do you reckon about this race? Uh, well, I was looking for Skylab last start. You gave him a pretty good push. He ran fourth that day. Um, look, it's a pretty even bunch. Mount Popper's getting a little bit long in the tooth. I know he ran second last start. Uh, he's obviously um, he's obviously got a pretty good um, wet track indicator um, there. Uh, look, he, he could put up. You know, he could put up in excess of two lengths and, and that could be good enough to win. But um, I don't know. Maximal's another horse that's that's got talent. But, um, yeah, he was a bit too bad to be true first up and wasn't much good in the Australian Cup either. So, tough race for me. It is. Polly Gray was disappointing last start. Um, I expected a lot more from her. Normally thrives in these sort of conditions. Um, Mount Popper, I thought he was there to win and I thought he was going to win. Um, but unfortunately for him, he found one better. He's definitely going in the right direction. He only needs to find half a length to a length to be winning. Um, Skylab, yeah, I was keen on him last start. Um, he just really come to play. He was good. He was a pass mark without... Um, getting overly excited about him. But I'll Mount Popper here as the horse to beat and he doesn't have to do much to win. Mm. Now, one thing I would say about Skylab, he did go from 1,400 to 2,000 metres and maybe this subsequent run at 2,000 metres might suit him a bit better at this point of the prep. It was a big jump between distances, but not really a, a race I'm all that um, excited about. The Tullock Stakes is race four, 2,000 metres for the three-year-old uh, again, this isn't the uh, the top line three year olds here. No, very um, plain sort of race. This one, isn't it? There's this a couple of horses be, here. This would be a derby leader. Yeah, there's a couple of horses here. Have got sneaky little um, WTIs and little little um, triggers to say that they are okay. Most notably, Sword Point. He's the one that. Um, I went looking for the other horse that I thought could run a good race at a decent price was Morris is me dad. 
Very uninteresting race. I'll just be I'll be watching. All right, the Emancipation fifteen hundred meters. Geez, Ana Visto was good first up, um, and and she loves it wet. Um, it's hard to knock her. Uh, I know Promise of Success, Nimely, Expat, Miravision, Crone, Kiku, Vangelic, More Profits. They've all got talent, but Ana Visto might be that horse on just an upward traje- trajectory. She does. I don't think she's going to. I don't think she's seen ground as heavy as what this is. Uh, mm-hmm. She does like wet ground, but you know we've said a couple of times there is a massive difference between soft ground and heavy ground um, in terms of their footing, their grip, how they um, accelerate on it, etc. So that's going to be the question mark with her. Uh, it's a lovely little race shape in terms of horses like um, Expat, etc., who were just um, you know Vangelic. They're just built for speed, so she's going to get a nice tag into the race. Um, Ideal rider, ideal race shape, horse to beat. Two watch runners here for me. Um, Nimalee flying, dangerous in a race like this. Very dangerous. Um, other horse I was interested in was Mirror Vision. If this was dry um, or drier, Mirror Vision would be a um, very dangerous runner and very hard to beat. So I'm Ana Vista. I think it's the right runner. Um, but dangerous Nimalee, dangerous and won't surprise me if Mirror Vision is. Well, Nimalee's 9.50 into six. There has been a couple of scratchings, obviously kiss on all four cheats and cheeks and hungry heart probably would have had some, some claims, but uh, Nimalee's been well supported there. Uh, race six, the Doncaster Prelude. Our playboy is the favourite. Jamie Carr on board again. Mick Price, Mick Kent Jr., $3.50. There's two Mr. Mozarts, isn't there? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Excuse me. There's two of you. There's, a, there's one who just runs off on the rest of the field. Um, has he beat Nanamo, I think, so. hasn't he? Has he beat Nanamo? Uh, has he beaten Nanamo? Or was it? I feel, I feel like he's beat Nanamo, that horse. He beat Artorius. Um, Artorius, was it? I knew he beat one of the good ones. Um, yep. Yeah, he was just again, he just ran off. Um, unfortunately for those who um, like to follow me, I've landed on imaging again. This is like um, this is like going out to a nightclub and finding the ex-girlfriend from a couple of years back, isn't it? Um, Nine into five fifty, first up here. Yeah, hundred and forty-seven day break, Mister Waller and Mister McDonald. Um, from an each way perspective, I landed on imaging. Right race, right horse. Um, adamant that our playboy is the horse to beat. And then I, you know, you go back and you got Mr. Mozart, who's good enough. Coast Watch, don't think he gets through the ground, but he would definitely be elevated um, on a dry service. And then you got brutality. But for me, mate, it's imaging. All right, might be an each way bet then at five fifty. Quite possibly will be. All right. The Group 1 Tancred Stakes, 2,400 metres. Uh, Dwayas was awesome winning the Australian Cup. Uh, she's $2.90 from Spanish Mission at 4.20. Think it over five. She's ideal 10. Stockman, 12. Angel of Truth, 18. Mm. All I wanted to do was find Think It Over, and all I couldn't do was find Think It Over because of the ground conditions. Mm. Um, 
I definitely want it to improve. Him on that fast speed last start stain, that's going to elevate him again on the wet. So I can pick him up from his 0.6 above on the heavy from two starts back. So I can get him into that one and a half, two range, which would be good enough for him to run first three. Then we've got some question marks around horses like Jewish Spanish Mission, you know, they're not... Um, Jules went through the roof uh, um, last up 2000, got into the lanes, but looked superior. Back to the wet ground, it's a pass on, you know, if this gets into the soft range again, you can elevate it. Think it over is going to be hard to beat. Um, Spanish Mission to me just looks like an out and out dry tracker. I'm prepared to risk him. Um, then you got horses like She's Ideal, who's going to, leap into contention with the ground. Probably the dark horse in the race uh, would be Great House. He's a horse I'm not prepared to dismiss at the moment. Thought he was going to erupt last start and he looked like he was one run away. So he's the one that I just want to... I'm just going to keep him on, on side. He's the one who could just... Knock everyone over. I've got a little feeling about she's ideal. You uh, would be um, on the money with that feeling that you have. Flies ground, flies wet. Good friend of the show. But saying that, when's the last time you were on? I don't know if you're welcome. <laughs> Usually when I'm on, she's no good, is she? Yeah, yeah but you got off. You said never again. Yeah. <laughs> you got off. I reckon if I went through the um, archives of the text, we're not like, you know, we don't have the SEM text machine or anything like that. But if I reckon if I went through the archives of the phone, I'd reckon I'd have an archive from D. Radcliffe saying never again. Give me, give me a little bit of uh, entertainment here, though. Two starts back at Ramwick on the heavy. Runs second to very elegant over 1,600 metres. Uh, she thrived in the wet. Posted, I think, a 1.7 above um, third best of the day, which is outstanding. She went 19 lengths, 19 and a half lengths below benchmark through the first section. And then in the Australian Cup, she's nearly been asked to go benchmark through the first section. So that's a 19 length uh, increase in speed to the 800. Um, what does that do to a horse between runs and, and what would that mean for her coming into this race? In between runs. So going into that race um, at Flemington, she obviously gave the um, indication that she was forward enough to be able to handle some of it. But what that does to her going from that speed, that 19 lengths below, going to that speed at Flemington probably leaves her a little bit vulnerable late, takes the kick out of her legs. You know, when it comes down time to sprint, that's just not going to be available. The lactic's a lot higher than what it has been at any start um, this campaign. But you do note the first up run, there was an 18-length squeeze in the first up run at Randwick over 1,400, took her mid-race pace to 3.6. So she had been... Um, exposed to some high lactic through the mid, but not as high as what she would have at Flemington. Um, yep. 
One thing that it does do though, is she comes back to the wet ground. Yeah. She's had the big run on the dry track. So she's been out there, she's run fast. Yeah. Um, and there's every indication that if there's a natural race pace in a race like this, that they're still going to go in that negative 10 or worse zone. Agreed. Um, yep. If they're very controlled, they'll get back down into that 15, 16 lengths below. She's not going to know herself. You know, you got a horse like Spanish Mission who would typically be flat coming off a run like um, off the Flemington run. Yeah. There's a big chance that he would be um, flat. You know, he's gone 9.4 lengths above through the first section. If they go 15 lengths below here, He's going to go 25 lengths slower through the first section. That's going to enable him to sprint. Yeah. So, you know, they're the little technicalities where race shape, particularly early race shape, where a lot of people don't pay any attention to it. They're very focused on what happens late, real focus on the last 200. Um, That's where you can get some massive advantages with the early speed focus and understanding what does to us, you know, if this was dry, this would be a completely different race. Um, but definitely 100% she's ideal as a horse that I've got. Um, you know, she's Mark right there because it's very easy to knock Think It Over and Joyce who are going to dominate the market. Very yeah. easy to knock Spanish Mission. This could be a knockout job. Yeah, and when you got Joyce at 290 and she's ideal 250 the place, um, $10 a win. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I know we know she handles the wet. She showed it two starts back. Um, I, I'd be keen to uh, to play her smaller win, bigger the place because I think I think the race shape will suit. And most races are won by race shape, aren't they? Uh, next start is the Group One Vinery Stud Stakes, two thousand meters for the three year old Phillies. Hinged is three eighty. Gypsy Goddess four forty. Fangirl at six fifty. Pretty Amazing's won three in a row for Chris Waller at seven fifty. Never been kissed is nine fifty. Yearning the thousand guineas winner is thirteen dollars. Mm. Gypsy Goddess won like the reincarnation of Farlap in its last start against some real plotters at Durban or Eagle Farm. Sorry, I apologize. I think it was Eagle Farm that I'm talking about. The performance was good. Um, you know, in terms of a typical mile, it was nowhere near what the margin said it was. It's another one where and margin's going to play this up a little bit. She's very, very progressive. She'll get the 2,000 metres. She'll get the 2,000 plus. little question mark with her on the conditions. She hasn't really been exposed to this um, level of wet track. So interesting runner. The hype, not going to buy the hype until she does it with these against this slot. The X Factor runner is the one that you've mentioned who's had three starts for three wins or whatever you said, which was pretty amazing, which was the Walla J-Mac runner. It's got some upside. It's the one to me that just sticks out and says, you know, look at me, I'm pretty good. So that's the horse that I marked on top from Hinged. And fangirl. But it's a very good race. Now, one I've got to work out. I'd rather it on a dry ground. Um, but the one who could jump out of the ground's never been kissed. Yep. But for me, I've got a big X factor on that 
runner of JMAC. All right. Uh, and then the race nine, the security star kingdom, Mao Tai, sorry, is 290, Gravina 390. Quantico nine was disappointing in the new market, Splintex 12, Exaboom 12. Was that the biggest trial winner ever, or was that the biggest trial winner ever? Uh, Mao Tai. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. I think he likes the uh, I think he likes the wet. Yeah, he's just a um, trial star. He's got X Factor. I've been trying to um, his, his debut performance at Ipswich said that he was a little bit of a rock and roll sort of horse, and then he was playing for a number of runs, and then he was back in action at Randwick in his latest start. Um, He's a little bit untapped, but he's nowhere near as good as what the trial wants to indicate that he is. Um, I can definitely forgive Gravina, and it's a horse that can. I will be looking at from an each-way perspective, um, in particular the place. Hard to miss a top three finish. All right. What did, you, what did you think? Uh, I I haven't delved too deep into this race. Obviously, Quantico is very talented, but all um, all of his starts basically have been on good. The two soft runs he hasn't placed and he hasn't run on the heavy, which is uh, which is hard to get excited. Splintex is a horse that do, does like it heavy. Um, uh, he came out of that. Um, race between four, uh, Eduardo Shelby, 66, Nature Strip. He ran fourth that day on the heavy um, over a 1,000 metres. Um, he could improve and be a, 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 a place hope, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, Maltai and Gravina um, deserve their spot at the top of the market. So um, it would take a little bit more work to settle on Splintex as a betting option, I think. I'll, I'll ask you one more question before we uh, finish up. Take the um, age hat, newspaper hat off and put on the P. Volandis hat for a moment. Mm -hmm. Do you, how long is it going to take till you start getting a bit concerned about all these majors running on bottomless tracks all the time? Um, well, it can't be good. It can't be good for wagering for starters. And I think that's uh, clearly a priority of, Peter Volandis, he'll be he'll be watching the wagering numbers and, and having a look to see how much impact it has. But um, yeah, the form the form, yeah, a lot of favourites have been winning. Animo got up, um, yeah, very elegant knock got knocked off last week. But you'd you'd like to see yeah you'd like to see a track that handles the wet a lot better um, in Sydney than than these tracks do. Um, they're just constantly wet, aren't they? And it must be. And must be mentally tough on the jockeys to constantly ride on wet. Um, and I think it does take away from the racing that you're putting a pen through 75% of the form guide because um, a number of horses won't handle these conditions. So it's been a little bit disappointing, to be honest. You would, you know, when so much money, I, I, I sit down and have a look, and we've gone through a whole autumn carnival where, you know, we've including a golden slipper where, you know, the premium purchases of two years back or a year back haven't seen dry ground. Yeah. 
you know, we don't really know how good those two-year-olds are. Mm. We've got no idea. They're going to come out as a fresh batch of three-year-olds, never have seen a dry racetrack. Mm -hmm. It's going to be spanner in the works all over again. To me, it's fascinating. And, you know, I ask the question, do you, um, as if you want to be the prime state, you know, there's nothing between Melbourne and Sydney when it comes to who's better than who. um, You know, they're definitely locking horns. Is there any um, thought process on possibly having a track with two hours south of Sydney that we've got as a get-out-of-jail card where we can run on some dry ground if they're going to get tracks like this every autumn? Because uh, it's very disappointing to put a race card up like last week and then pull it up again today, and it's just bottomless racing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know of any plans like that. Obviously, um, Kembler and Newcastle have... Um, a couple of their uh, their backup tracks, but it looks like, um, or provincial tracks, but it looks like racing New South Wales is looking to invest in training centres rather than new race tracks. But um, I think at some point they have to bite. At some point they have to accept that uh, their tracks just don't drain well enough. That their entire autumn carnival is often dominated by rain and they they need to come up with a better solution for for drainage because we know um in melbourne and even you know look at places like Chartin, they're world class with they can have a typhoon one day and they're racing on a good track the next day so um yeah some something should be something yeah should be done about it but um i don't like getting too political or newsy on this show mate um i'm happy just uh trying to help the punter find a winner uh thanks for your time today mate i'll get this up now it's nearly six o'clock so the punters can um watch your uh or get your thoughts on tonight's william reed and then obviously uh they can get out their pen and pencil and mark a few in the form guide for rose hill tomorrow but um appreciate your time mate i'll chat to you soon We didn't have enough time to review my eagle on the last from the golf day, but we'll do that on the next show. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Good on you, Hayden. Hayden Byrne from Daily Sectionals, Damien Rackliffe from The Age. Thanks for tuning in, Next Geners. Bye for now.